Hello and welcome to the Real Demons of Pop Culture. I am James Zippolitti, your guide through the underworld. In this episode, you will learn about a horse of a different color. Actually, four horses and their hell riders. Who are they and what do they represent? Are these hellish equestrians coming soon? Or are they the wacky hallucinations of a man banished to an island almost 2,000 years ago? A Gilligan's Island acid trip, perhaps? This is the story of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. It burns! Oh, it burns! They're coming to get you, Barbara. I'll swallow your soul! I am thrilled I got another five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let me read it to you. Excelente by Chlorine Eater. Love listening to your show. When I found you first on TikTok, I was very happy to go to the podcast and went back to episode one and listened to them all. Demon Collector cards? Sounds great. Sign me up to purchase some. Thank you very much, Chlorine Eater. And I feel like I probably should say the obvious, do not eat chlorine. All right, that's my PSA to everyone listening. If you would like your review read on the show, simply hop on over to Apple Podcast, write a five-star review. It really does help grow the show. All right, it is time for the magic number. I'm going to think of a number between 1 and 50. I'm going to count down 3, 2, 1. There'll be some silence while I'm thinking of the number. You write the number you think I'm thinking of. Write it down, and at the end of the episode, I will reveal that. So here we go. Three, two, one. Okay, I hope you wrote that down. And I would like to thank Kevin for giving me the idea for this episode. Uh, he follows me on Instagram. If you have an idea for an episode, let me know in one of my uh, social media outlets, and let's get going. Coming up on today's episode, from the files of Dr. J's adventures, Dr. J and the Accidental Apocalypse. And if you want to see what Dr. J is up to currently, follow me on TikTok at James Ippolitti. I think I hear a horse coming. I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. I was teaching a course, Witch Cakes and Your Pets, at Princeton University, when my assistant, burst into the lecture. Dr. J, come quick. A crazy man on a red horse is killing people in the street. It's complete chaos. All the students stood up and exited through the main doors. We arrived out onto the lawn and headed towards the streets of Princeton. On the street was chaos. People were fighting amongst themselves. A man on a red horse was swinging a sword, chopping off heads and killing people. Everyone was yelling about who killed who. He killed my I brother. I knew I needed to get control of the situation.
The first horseman has arrived. He's a conqueror, and he has a bow, a crown, and rides a white horse. This one is probably the most confusing of the four horses. The other ones are pretty standard and obvious, but the white horse has been interpreted in many different things throughout the ages. Originally, a lot of people believed that the white horse with the white rider represented Jesus. Now, when they talk about conquest or conquering, in some of the interpretations, it is thought that the gospel of Jesus is going to be spreading across the nation, and that's the conquering we're talking about. We're talking about a religious conquering, not so much as in one interpretation, that is. Remember, we got a lot of... Let's stop for a second. Revelation is the last book in the New Testament. It was written by this guy, John of Patmos, and Patmos is an island uh, off around Greece. He, it is believed, was banished to this island. Now, because he was banished and not persecuted, it's believed he had some social standing that just said, hey man, you're a follower of this Christ guy, we don't like that. We're going to banish you instead of like cutting your head off uh, just because you must have had some friends in high places, John. Now, this is not the same John of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And let's also say that no one knows who wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those names were attributed to those gospels much later. And so we don't really know who wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It was all anonymous. This one, this guy says his name is John. He's on the island of Patmos. He's, um, you know, banished there. And everything he writes is, it's a type of literature called apocalyptic literature. And it's usually like war literature, you know, it's written very, and this is not new. It's not like this guy came out and was like, hey, look at me. I invented this new type of writing. It's like, let's say you're an author and you want to get into young adult fiction. You know, a lot of people write young adult fiction and he's just another guy who's writing young adult fiction. And so in the old times, he's just another guy writing apocalyptic literature, very popular in the Jewish faith. Another thing we need to understand is that this John of Patmos, who wrote this revelation, did not consider himself a Christian. That word wasn't even around. So when he wrote this is around 90 of the common error. So if Jesus died around 30 or 33, if you want to say that, uh, this is many, many decades later that he's writing this. By this time, the apostles are already, you know, uh, dead. You know, uh, he's writing in 90 on some island. There were very famous apostles, Peter, James, the brother of Jesus, and we had Paul. And these guys all had different views. So you had James and Peter had a specific view of how Christianity should be, although we, again, we didn't call it Christianity. And Paul had a completely different view, and there were a lot of fighting amongst the uh, James and Peter clan versus the Paul clan. But Paul, Peter, James, and this John who's stuck on the island, they were Jewish. They believed that they were Jewish people who found the Jewish Messiah. They did not consider themselves creating a new religion. They didn't see themselves as Christian. 
They believed Christ was the Messiah for the Jewish people, and they were the Jewish people. Now, Paul went around and he started teaching this stuff to non-Jewish people, and the non-Jewish people are like, well, I'm not getting my dick cut. I'm not getting circumcised, uh, or I'm not going to turn away a bacon sandwich. You know, they wanted to still do those things, and Paul was like, yeah, all right, that's fine. But Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, did not agree with that. And John, the guy on the island, he totally didn't agree with it because he's writing this stuff in Revelation, and he's really not happy with people who want to say that they are following Christ and they're the new Jewish people who are better than the real Jewish people. So there's a lot of controversy and wackiness going on on this island. And the other thing is these things, when you're talking about apocalyptic literature, it's all from visions or revelations. So it's really like an acid trip. Stuff is written very vague and could be interpreted in many many ways. Just like if you go to a psychic and you sit down with a psychic and they tell you something in a very generalized way and you can probably apply it to your life, but somebody could also apply it to their life. That's kind of what Revelations is. And and the thing is, when we're talking about these four horses, we are talking about four things that have happened throughout history, these events, that anybody through any time period could sit there and point and say, oh, we're in the end times now because of this war, or we're in the end times because of this plague, or this this famine. All this stuff happens throughout history, and everybody points to revelations to say we're in the end times, because the four horsemen come out when Jesus is, they call him the lamb, but Jesus is basically holding this scroll in his right hand. He pops open the first seal, and the first horseman comes, and so on. There's seven seals keeping this scroll closed, but these are ways of knowing that the end of the world is coming soon. Now let's pause. Did John of Patmos, the man on the island, did he think that maybe in the year 2023 that these events would happen? No. These people from Peter and James and Paul and John, they thought it was coming soon. Now, why do they think that? Because Jesus actually says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is going to happen in your lifetime. Like, you're you're not going to die without seeing the end of the world. This is something that has been troubling Christians for a long time because they keep pushing the goalposts back. It's like, wait a minute, why did Jesus say that? And then it didn't turn out to be true. Oh, well, he meant this instead. And so none of these men who believed this back in the day expected this to still be going on in 2023. And the reason why is they were persecuted. And it's the same thing with old Jewish apocalyptic literature. When uh, the Jewish people were being persecuted, this literature was written to give hope to these people who are being oppressed and persecuted that somebody, there will be justice, and this God will come and he will you know, crush the oppressors. That's how John felt. That's how... Paul felt they all believed that something's going to come up soon to take care of all the crap that's going on. And what is the crap? The Roman Empire is a big thing. And some people believe that the white horse represents the Roman Empire being prosperous. Some people believe the white horse represents war because of the conquest. Some people 
think it was Jesus spreading the gospel. And some people thought it was infectious disease. Now, you heard what I just read. You heard that thing. And, and we're getting all these different wacky interpretations. Infectious disease or Roman Empire prosperous. I mean, come on. And now, it's a much later uh, interpretation, is that the white horse represents the Antichrist. And so that's kind of where people stand now. It's like, oh, the Antichrist is going to be the first one that comes, and that's going to be the start of the end times. There is also pestilence that has been mentioned as an interpretation for the white horse. I had to get control of this crowd. I waved my hands wildly into the crowd. Please, let's not bicker and fight over who killed who. Man on the horse, listen to me. If it isn't Dr. J, the demon hunter, are you ready for the apocalypse? You're not supposed to be here. Isn't the white horse supposed to come first? Hasn't he arrived? What is wrong with you? Just take me back to the temple and we can see what's going on. Fine, Dr. J, I will take you. And when you finally see that I have been called, mm -hmm. I will return to the, these disgusting humans and destroy them all. We took off on his horse and flew up through the clouds. I think I hear another horse coming. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. All right, we're on to horse number two. The second seal is opened, and we have a red rider. And this red horse represents war. And this rider has a large sword held up high. This is a very... Obvious translation, red usually is blood, bloodshed. Uh, we have the sword representing battle. This is to represent global war. As I said earlier, you can take any point in time and start pointing out these events to say, hey, it looks like we are in the end times. With the first seal broken, some people interpret the white horse as infectious disease. So we can say, okay, we had a global pandemic. We had COVID, global pandemic, there's the first seal. Second seal broken. Well, we have Russia jumping into Ukraine. We could definitely see a global war that could happen from that, right? So if I'm a hardcore Christian and I believe in this stuff, I could be right now thinking, oh wait, what is going on? But you could do that at any time. I mean, we've had a lot of infectious disease. Like in the 80s, it was AIDS. And then you could have said, you know, there was wars going on at any time throughout history. This stuff is made for anybody to interpret. It's important to understand that the people writing this were not thinking that it would be 2,000 years. I mean, they're probably pissed off like, oh, man, you know, 2,000 years. I guess I wasn't really accurate. Yeah, it's just written this way. So don't freak out. The end's not near. The red horseman took me up through the clouds, and we arrived at a beautiful, splendid temple. We let the horse rest 
and walked into the temple. We traveled to where the scrolls were kept, and on the floor was the scroll with the seven seals. It must have blown out of its shelving, hit the floor, and the second seal cracked open. I questioned why they were kept so poorly. I found it rather silly that a scroll that would bring about the end of the world to be so poorly kept in a crappy shelving unit that looks like it's from Ikea. I mean, if this thing's gonna bring upon the end of the world, put it in a safe or something. The Red Horseman agreed. He put his horse to sleep and then went back to the temple bar. I had a drink with him and then left, feeling good about saving the world. Here comes another horsey. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. All right, the black horse shows up with some creepy-ass stuff he's saying, or at least somebody saying it. Um, this is economic collapse. Now, we could easily add this to my list I already said, right? What did I say? I said uh, we had the pandemic. We had Russia starting a war with Ukraine. Could go global. Uh, then we have economic collapse. Let's just talk about the price of eggs because that's what this is talking about here. When this weird quote is two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, what this is saying is that the money is – the economic collapse is going to cause – is going to cause problems for people to try to buy food, to try to live. It's saying that you'll work all day just to barely survive and get food for your family. That's what's going on here. And, you know, that's the prices of everything are going to go up. Now, some people think like the, the rider coming in with the scales is something to do with scales of justice, but it's most likely the scales that were used back during that time to weigh bread, like if you went to the market to buy stuff, the scales are there to weigh it. And that's why we see this two pounds of wheat or two pounds of or six pounds of barley. It's a wheat and barley. You know, that was like the uh, creme de la creme of the uh, first century. And so John's writing this saying like, you know, and, and the thing is, this is stuff that would have been going on. It's not like he lived in a time where none of this stuff's happening. You know, he's looking around him saying, wow, this shit's going down and it looks like it's going to be coming soon and I can't even feed my family and there's so many wars going on and disease, this must be the end times. And, you know, you're sitting around on this island, banished, and you're pissed and you want the people who put you on this island punished. So you're writing this trippy-ass book trying to get, you know, and you also want to make it vague like this so the Romans don't come. You can't just write, the Romans are bad guys and we should fight them because then they're going to come to your island and they're going to beat you up if not kill you. So you write this stuff in this trippy way to kind of conceal what you're really saying and other people are reading it and they're like, oh, I think I know what John on Patmos means. 
yeah, he's got the he's got the four one one on those Romans. You know, that's kind of what's going on. And so that's our third horseman economic collapse. And I hear another horse coming this way. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. All right, so our fourth seal has been open. And by the way, every creature after the seal is open says, come. I don't know if you can hear that with the, the voice I'm doing, but that's what they're saying, come. And the pale horse, don't confuse that with the white horse. Pale, it's basically uh, a greenish color. The idea is that the horse is the, is, uh, the color of a corpse or, or death. And this is the only person named. There's four horsemen. The only one with a name is death. The other ones didn't get a name. He's death, and he's followed by Hades. Now, it doesn't mean Hades, the Greek god. It means the place Hades. Yeah, so death is swooping in and killing off a quarter of the earth. The question in this verse is, did he kill by sword, famine, and plague, or are we talking about the other horses when he says famine and plague, etc.? Because, I mean, it's pretty redundant if you're saying that all these other horses come and they're killing this way, and then this guy comes and kills additionally in this way. But the whole thing is that we are talking about a huge plague basically covering the earth. Death is coming. He's killing everyone. Uh, this would be the f not the final, the final of the four horsemen, because there's other seals. Um, but basically, by the time the pale horse shows up with death riding, a large portion of the global population will die. And I don't think we are there. So if I was correct with my first three, saying that we had the pandemic, we have a war possibly starting, we have eggs going up in price, then the last part would be death of a large portion of the earth. Um, but again, I don't buy any of it, because why should we, really? Who is this John of Patmos who wrote this? And why should we buy anything? He didn't believe that Jewish people should marry or have sex with anybody else who wasn't Jewish. And he was very strict about this. He wasn't very open-minded about that. Now, I get that that's the religion of the time, and that's what they believed. But if you are someone who can see the future with these wacky-ass writings you're doing, John, you should also have seen that eventually, you know, we're going to be okay. Now, this, if I was a hardcore Christian... Maybe I would say, well, yeah, he knows that we should be careful with our sex and mixing because that's wrong. But again, a hardcore Christian's wrong too because John didn't want Jewish people to sleep with anybody who wasn't Jewish. So therefore, every Christian today who doesn't consider themselves Jewish is wrong in the eyes of the guy who wrote this. He really believed in keeping the Torah, he believed in all the rituals that the Jewish people did. He thought that was important. So much so that he really did not care for the disciples of Paul. Like, they would come in and be like, yeah, you know what, I'll have a BLT sandwich. And he'd be like, oh my God, 
what is going on here? You shouldn't be eating that. Well, Paul said it was okay, so he's pretty pretty big and... uh well, okay, just don't have sex with anybody outside of the Jewish faith. Well, I'm not even Jewish, so it's okay. Paul said it was okay. I mean, this is the guy who apparently is telling us what we're supposed to think about for the future who doesn't know that everything he's writing is going to be for people who don't consider themselves Jewish. In fact, they demonized the Jews throughout the ages. So uh, it's just fascinating to me that we're taking the word of this guy if you believe in this stuff. Second of all, he is not the only guy who wrote this stuff. There were tons of revelation literature, revelation of Peter, revelation of John, and there's the uh, revelation of James. I mean, everybody had a revelation. It was just kind of the thing you did. It's like, oh, Harry Potter book comes out. Now all we have is books about witches and warlocks and all, everybody doing the same exact thing, just changing the names of Harry Potter instead of Harry Potter, it's something else. And this is what was happening then. Everybody wanted to get in on the Revelation writing, and they all did it. But why? Why did John of Patmos get his book in the New Testament? Again, this is another thing you must understand. When John is writing this, there is no New Testament. There is none. And people who believed, remember, they weren't called Christians at this point. They were Jewish people who thought that Jesus was the Messiah. These people ran around reading all kinds of literature. They read everybody's revelation. And I'm guaranteeing you there are people who said, John of Patnos is a lunatic and we're not going to listen to his crap. Right? We are going to go with this one. And they found tons of revelations, uh, books that were written at Nag Hammadi, which is like the Dead Sea Scrolls, like all that. There's so many other stories. But we're told, and this is the thing, we're told, as if you're a Christian, you're told that you're supposed to, you know, read this and look at Revelation, and you'll, that's the answer. But who told you that? There were some men in probably, I think, the second or third century, um, maybe even the fourth century. I'm drawing a blank. But they sat together and decided what was going to be in the Bible. And there were a lot of people. It's kind of like, you know... American Idol, but with religious writers. They're all like throwing their thing in there and it's like, okay, read me your revelation. No, we're not going to go with that one. Next, read me your revelation. And they would just go. They are looking at all these revelations and some, and it's all politics. They pick the one that they feel is going to be beneficial to the men and the church who are putting this together. This is not divine inspiration. This isn't somebody coming and saying, uh, it's just silly. It's silly to sit there and believe because some men back in the fourth century sat down around the table and pick and chose what would be put into the Bible. And people were running around freaking out, yelling at me, Dr. J, that angels don't get shot down by missiles of the United States military. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go check out my TikTok. Um, I am kind of doing a satire of the end times on TikTok, and what I have started talking about is all these spy balloons that are in the sky are actually angels that are being shot down by uh, the U.S. military, which is making everybody on TikTok crazy because they're like, you cannot defeat an angel with a, a man-made weapon. And it's so silly to me how how 
they can believe in so many wacky ass stuff. But if I say something like that, oh, that's totally not true. I'm like, where are you getting information? How do you know you can't shoot an angel out of the sky with a missile? How do you know that when they were writing about angels, they didn't know about the military that would have the kind of weapons we'd have today? Anyway, it's really fun over there on TikTok. Go join in, comment, uh, debate with people over the silliness of it all. Um, I, I intend to get even more silly on TikTok, so be prepared because all hell is going to break loose on Earth on my Dr. J TikTok show. All right. So we went through the Four Horsemen. We know it was brought up in Revelation. There were tons and tons of Revelations. There's tons of books, not just Revelations. There are tons of Gospels. There are tons of Revelations. All these books were, during this time, we are looking at a time period where it was just starting out, and everybody was passing around these different, you know, gospels and saying, hey, did you read this one? Tons of people read these gospels and these revelations and believed them, and it wasn't until there, wanted, there was, it wasn't until power needed to be established um, that these things were put into this book, the Bible, and it is rejected if it did not fit the agenda of the power that was putting this book together. So, that said, the Four Horsemen are so much fun for pop culture, though. I know that Sam and Dean Winchester, you know the Supernatural guys, they had the the Four Horsemen on their show. Uh, They are mentioned in so many different books, and a lot of people take liberties with you know what they are and how they actually use them and what do they look like like i think in supernatural they drove cars that match the color of the horse so they make a little modern twist with that i mean they're in everything games cartoons uh, they're just so popular and i love that the thing is i don't buy into any of this stuff but i love the mythology of it and if you can look at it that way it's a lot of fun to play around with these characters and Use them in stories. If you're writing a song, there's songs, so many songs with the Four Horsemen. You know, Metallica uh, has one. So if you're a creative person and you want to create a song or artwork or a story, you got so much inspiration in these myths. Today's magic number is 13. Thanks again for listening. Please follow me on TikTok at James Zippolitti, and I will be back in two weeks with a new episode. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at James Ippolitti. I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. The Real Demons of Pop Culture is a Gorilla Delphia production.